You know, coming up here, I had to practice saying good evening and not good morning. Uh, but I made it. I, I said it. Uh, I didn't mess up right there. So that's a good start. Um, good morning, church. Uh, good evening, church. <laughs> My name is Fadi Alhin, and um, I go to uh, Rancho Cucamonga Church of Christ right there in your region. And uh, I've been here in the United States for three years. Uh, currently, I go to Cal State San Bernardino, yeah. and uh, last year, or over a bit, uh, more than a year, my family followed uh, as well, and my sister now, uh, she's with us here, goes to community college, Chafee College, and I have a little brother, 10-year-old, he's in Kingdom Kids right now. But you know, it's so exciting to be here with you, to be part of your worship. I'm so grateful for you to opening, for opening your arms and, and welcoming me and be able to share about missions. You know, it's interesting because just like Jake said, missions is, is coming up and you can always kind of figure out when it's coming because more Middle Easterners start coming on stage. Uh, right? Last week you, we had Hala and Abe here and they shared and I heard they did a great job. Uh, but it's more than that. You know, missions, Helps my heart as we talk about missions, but it also gives me this slight perspective on how God looks at missions. It shows me God's heart behind missions. Now, the video that was showed, I've seen this in my second time seeing it, and I love it. I love the series that they're doing with this video. It kind of helps you connect. Helps you connect with the faces, just like Jake was saying. But you know, this, the video to me, kind of means something different. It's not better or worse. It's just different. Because to me, there's stories behind this video. You, you look at faces, but to these faces, I know a lot of their background stories. I know a lot of their testimony. You know, if to you, you might see a face. But I saw a parent that's been having a hard time raising their autistic child. You know, you saw a face... I saw a husband that's fearful for his wife that's been battling cancer for the last year. I saw, you saw a face, I saw the disciple that's been years after year being rejected for getting a job, for being a member of the ICOC. Not just a disciple, but being a brother. You know, I, I saw a face and I remembered his baptism. I remembered his face and how joyful he was when he said, Jesus is Lord. Amen. You know, I know their defeats. I also know their victories. I know the stories. And so I feel so connected to that video because I know their background stories. And sitting next to my sister, we're like, oh, that's, 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 uh, that's John. That's Michael. That's, that's Sammy. That's Mufid. Isn't that crazy? They're all grown up. And so today, my hopes, my dreams, is that I can share with you their stories. I can share with you through scripture, and maybe God can work that we can leave this place today with our own conviction towards mission. You know, what I want to talk to you guys today is about Abraham. Abraham was the first missionary. Right, he was the first missionary. And I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, when I thought about mission, I, I thought this adventure. You know, we had this backyard, and it's full of like, we had six trees, and the backyard covered, the trees covered the backyard, and it was dirt. I remember going to the backyard, and I had this sense of adventure, this sense of mission. 
And I would take off my shirt, put it around my head, and I would bring a broomstick and I would carve it, made a, make a spear out of it. I would just stand there and pretend like I'm a jungle boy. Right? That, that was me. Okay, that was my weird kind of idea about mission. It's this adventure. Connor says thumbs up. You know, to me, I, as a kid, I, part of an adventure, I had a secret agency. Right? I had a secret agent, I had the CIA secret agency and I would recruit people, aka my sister, because she was the only person willing to, uh, to be involved. You know, I think of Mission Impossible. Your mission, should you accept it? You know, God called Abraham on his first mission. He was the first missionary. And I want to go back to the call. I want to go back to where God called Abraham. It's in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make you your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he, was, when he set out from Haran. Now looking at that, you kind of see a little bit of God's heart. See, from the very start... God has set out a land specifically for you. From the very start, He has a mission just for you. Go to that land that I have for you, that I will show you. You know, in Abraham's lifetime, he went on that mission when he was 75 years old. He died when he was 175 years old. So 100 years he was outside in the mission. He went to 15 geolocations, different places, to just show who God is to, to others. Now this right here show me, kind of shows a piece of God's heart towards mission. You see, God never intends us to live just in our own community, in our own bubble. See, He doesn't want us to live for ourselves, go to our church and our community, have the time once a week. He wants us to expand our understanding of who we are and who God is. You see, that is who God is from the very start. In the beginning, there was nothing, and God created something. He decided to create us so He can invest His love for us. He didn't create us for his own benefit. If anything, we've hurt him. He created the sun, the moon, the earth, water, land, all that crawls, walks, and swims. And on the sixth, and it was good. And then he created mankind. God always searches and ventures to the unknown. He wants to create something out of nothing. And I believe missions is a time to be more like God's own heart. Now I want to share a story with you. About a disciple from, from Jordan. And I believe he went on that mission in his own life. So he's a, that, that brother is a, is a kingdom kid. He grew up in the church. And he loves food. Okay? Can you guys, do you, do you guys love food? I love food. Right? And this guy loves 
food. And, and I remember he would be sitting, he wasn't a disciple yet, and the church would announce, all right, church, we're going to fast every Thursday until we have our first baptism. And you can hear him from the back going, <sighs> every week, okay. But then afterwards, he would come to the disciples, and he would joke around. He'd be like, man, so what? We're fasting, we're praying. All right, let's, let's just split the load. I'll pray and you fast, okay? Let's do that. But, you know, that brother became a disciple, and uh, he still had a hard time with his quiet times. He still had a hard time with prayer, with, with fasting. But this is what the conclusion he came up with. He said, food is for my, for my physical body, and prayer and quiet times, reading my Bible, is for my spiritual body. And to me, as a disciple, my spiritual health is more important than my physical health. So this is what he did. He said, every day I will not eat. Until I have my quiet time first. He said, I will not eat. And there are days where he just, he's just so busy, he wouldn't eat. He says, I'm fasting today. He built that conviction in his own heart. He said, I will not eat until I have my quiet time. And then at the end, he, 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 he started getting that conviction. And every service, every midweek, he'll bring a paper, put it at the end of the, uh, at the church, and write down a prayer list. And every disciple would walk in, and have, they have a prayer, they just write down. And then later on, there, there was a committee that was just created just for prayer, a prayer committee in the church in Jordan. And everyone joined in, and every week they would do something special. They would either pray for all, the entire night, and pull a 24-hour prayer, every disciple has like two hours to pray. But something great happened from there. Now the reason I'm saying this story... Is because sometimes we don't need to venture to the unknown to go on a mission. Sometimes we don't need to go to different lands and places. Sometimes the mission is in our own day-to-day life. The mission is an, it could be an area in our character that needs growth. The question is, do we have the heart to grow? Maybe your mission is to be more involved with your kids. Maybe your mission is to to evangelize the people in your work. Maybe your mission is to deal with your anger, selfishness, greed, or maybe to be more like Jesus and how he loved people. But do we have the heart to go to that land that God has set for us? Your mission, should you accept it? The truth is, the second we became a disciple, God has a mission for us. God has a land already set for us, just like he said it for Abraham. You know, I I read this quote. It said, there are no passengers in God's ship. We are all crew. There's no free rides. When you're leaving, when you're living on this planet as a disciple, we can't just sit and coast expecting the rest of humanity to figure its way to heaven. Now, life as a disciple spent as a passenger is a wasted life. We need to contribute to the to expansion of the kingdom, to his mission, to God's mission. As the IE region, our goal is to save the souls in the IE, but we also have a mission in the Middle East. But I've got to be honest with you guys. I, the mission is, is really hard. I grew up with... My parents, they were missionaries. And, you know, they, they, I love the adventure. I love the mission. But as you grow older, you kind of settle in a little bit. 
Now I remember one time I would move from Jordan to Egypt. And in Egypt, my friends would say, he's Jordanian. He's Jordanian, like, he's Jordanian. And I would go to Jordan, and I'm like, I'm finally home. I can be with my friends. And, my, and other people go, he's Egyptian. And I kind of lost my sense of identity. I kind of lost where I belong. And it was hard. I, I kind of I, I became more insecure. I kind of lost a lot of my confidence. My education was weakened because my parents would leave halfway through the year. I remember one time I was in bed and I was crying. My mom walks in. I was just, I, I was, we were just talking. I was sharing with her what I was feeling. I was saying, why did we have to leave? If God's calling you for a minute, why did I have to be involved? Right? We had a dog. Why did we have to give up my dog? Why did I have to give up my friends, my cousins? I remember I had this picture that I would keep under my bed um, just to be extra, like to be extra emotional. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. I, just, I, was, I was a very emotional kid. And so I just kept it to just pretend like I'm in a movie or something. But, you know, the truth is I was actually hurt. And I was sharing with my mom. And my mom said, you know, God calls us on a mission. And it's hard. But unless we put our heart behind that mission, it's not going to get better. And God will not bless us. And to be honest with you guys, I was a lot more confused. I was more confused than I was. And I just looked at her. I was like, okay, that makes no sense to me. Okay. But um, I'm going to stop complaining because that sounds like important stuff. Okay, so I'm just going to stop talking. <laughs> and so, but she said, we need, we need to put our heart for the mission, behind the mission. We need to have a heart for the mission. That brings me to the second point. But before we start, what does it mean to have a heart for the mission? What does it mean to have a heart behind the mission? I believe in Abraham was an example of a man with a heart for the mission. In Genesis 14, verse 17 to 24, right here, Abraham, his nephew Lot, gets kind of, gets, gets caught as, as a captive in a war. And uh, there's a war going on between five kings versus four kings, and Lot just gets mixed up in the middle, and he gets caught as captive. And so Abraham hears the news that his, his nephew Lot gets captive, and he, and he just gathered, gathers um, fighting men, and he goes to war. And he rescues his nephew, but he also gets a lot of spoils from that war. And we lead up to this passage right here. After Abraham returned from defeating Kedar Lamor, and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley. Then Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. It, it's interesting why he brought bread and wine. Reminds you of communion, huh? Bread and wine. It's kind of they were fellowshipping. He was a priest of God Most High. And he blessed Abraham by saying, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, With raised hand I have sworn an oath to the Lord, God Most High, Creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even the thread or the strap of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abraham rich. I will accept nothing 
but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me to Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre. Let them have their share. Now there's two aspects of this story. Right? One, he gave away all the spoils of war. Right? Because this king came up to him and said, give me the, my people and just keep the spoils of war for you. And he said, I will not take the spoils of war. And the reason he said so is because I don't want people to think that men made me rich. His heart behind it was, I don't want to even jeopardize the reputation of my mission. I want people to think man made me rich, but it is God who makes me rich. You know, a heart for the mission means the mission comes before anything else. Do you think Abraham didn't want the riches? Think Abraham didn't have to fight his desires, his selfishness? But the mission came before anything else, even himself. And he said, I have a heart for the mission. Take it. I don't want anything from it. I don't even want to jeopardize the reputation of the mission. The second point of this is Melchizedek. Melchizedek in Hebrews, Paul describes him and he says he's like Jesus. Right? He says he's like Jesus. He draws a lot of similarities between him and Jesus. And the reason Paul does that is that the fact that Abraham refers to him, my Lord, in a lot of passages. And the fact that Abraham tithed to, to Melchizedek. And I look at the, the scripture, where the part where he says, they broke like they they brought bread and, and wine, and I, it kind of made me think of it, right? And all of theologians say Melchizedek was, was God, right? But it made me think they were breaking bread, they were fellowshipping with one another. It's pretty interesting, and and that's my interpretation of it. I, I like to think they were sitting and they were dreaming about the mission. They were sitting and they were, they were prophesying about Jesus coming. And they were just getting giddy. And they were just getting, man, when Jesus comes, he's going to heal people. Man, when Jesus comes, he's, he's going to feed the poor. And he's going to rebuke the Pharisees and it's going to be so good. <laughs> and they broke bread and they said, let's just break bread. Let's just pretend it's relevant in the Old Testament. Let's just do it. That's my interpretation. So you can take it, you don't have to take it, but that's my interpretation. <laughs> but you know what's interesting? Is that Abraham tithing to Melchizedek. You know, the concept of tithing wasn't even a thing yet. Tithing came with Moses years after Abraham's death. So there was no rule, no law, no requirement of Abraham to tithe to a priest in a foreign land. <laughs> But he still did it. I think he did it because he wanted to give to the mission of Jesus. He wanted to give to the mission of God. But I think he did it to give us an example of a man that has his heart behind the mission. I think he did it because he wanted to show us that we need to put the mission before anything else, before our own desires and the obstacles that we face. Abraham put the mission before himself, before his desires and the riches of this world. You may ask yourself, well, how do I know if I have the heart of the mission? You know, I come here every Sunday, 
I, um, I, I work for it. I, I go the time. I, I have this. I feel like I have a heart for the mission. But how do I know for sure? How do I know for certain that I have a heart for the mission? Now, the way you know is by putting a temptation. It's by putting a challenge between you and the mission. Put an obstacle between you and the mission. And then ask yourself, will I, will I be willing to fight to overcome this obstacle and carry on with my mission? Or will this challenge deter me from carrying on my mission? Do I have the heart? And then there's obstacles. There's challenges. Will I overcome these challenges to carry on God's mission? You know, the example I, I, I want to share with you guys is Syria. And I know Scott shared with you guys a lot about Syria this past two weeks or week. And, and I, I just want to share with you guys in, in kind of my own perspective and on, on how I see it. Can go to the next slide. This is Nadal and his wife. I was told you guys seen this picture. The second picture is the church. These, these, this is after uh, the war. And the next picture, this, these are before the war and this is after the war. And these are his kids. These are Nidal. He's the, he leads the church in Syria. This is after the wall, the war. Where they're at right now, they're in a shop. They're in a shop. They, they ran away from where they are, they're at. We got news that, uh, they raided the city. They, they tore, they, they, um, they burned down the church. They raided the church. They tore it down. And, and, and people, the church kind of, Decided some will stay and some will go. Nadal, the leader of the church, decided to go. Because there was no city. There's nothing left to live in that city. So he went and they found this shop. They found an owner and said, can we stay? And they opened the shop for them. And, um, you know, I I look at them and I I go, they could have said, man... We were talking to them. The thing they said was, before we left, we made a decision that wherever we go, we will do our best to plant a new church. Wherever we go, we will still talk about God. And I'm thinking about that. You know, Syria was, was, we tried to plant Syria so many times, but it kept failing. It kept failing because civil war would break and the church would disperse. And we, we, we lost communication. But you know what my prayer is? My prayer is that the church kept dispersing and people kept planting. And my prayer is that there's like a hundred church in Syria, a hundred churches in Syria that we have no idea about and they exist. But imagine if they just walked in and they said, man, I just don't feel emotionally connected. I just don't feel emotionally connected to God's mission. I just, I just, I'm just disconnected with God. I need a break. And we would all say, yeah, man, you need your break. Like, take it. Right? But they didn't say that. And you can quickly identify the men and women that have their heart behind the mission and the people that don't. You cannot separate a man and his mission if his heart is behind the mission. They are one. A man that has a a mission, he has his heart binded with his mission. You cannot separate his mission with his life. They are one. And that is the examples we see here today in Syria. 
<clears throat> go in the, the fourth picture. This is him now. And, and you kind of look at his face and you go, I can't tell what he's thinking. You go, is he angry? Is, is that fa- the face of uh, faithfulness? Is that perseverance? Is that sadness? Is that, I don't, you can't tell. But, you know, I, I asked myself the, this question. I asked myself, if Nadal just walks in right now, right? We don't know his story. We don't know who he, who he was and who he is. And he just comes up and starts preaching about the mission. Right? He probably has a lot of good stuff to preach about the mission. He just preaches about the mission. We don't know who he is. He just comes like this and comes and preaches about the mission. And I ask myself, would I be willing to listen to him? Will I just go, what is he preaching about? Oh, he's preaching about mission? You know, I have a heart for the mission. I want to hear what he says about the mission. My heart is behind the mission. Tell me. Let me know. Teach me. Or will I look at him and go, why is he looking like that? Why is his beard not groomed? Why, 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 why was service done like this today? And I asked myself this, that question. And honestly, I don't know. I don't know. But I know that a man and a disciple with a heart for the mission puts the mission first before anything else and doesn't allow an obstacle to deter him from that mission. This last weekend, last week, I, I, I heard the story of a man went on Facebook. A disciple in the United States went on Facebook and he searched everyone with his same last name. And he decided to start small talk with them, and he just invited all of them to church. And one of the people, she lived in Italy. And he invited her to church, and she came out, and she is now your sister in Christ. Through Facebook, through the comfort of your home, God can work. And I think about it, I think, if Paul was here with us today, what would he say? If Paul, who had to walk on foot, had shipped, had to go through shipwrecks, lashes, snake bites, if he had what we have today in the comfort of our home, what would he say? What would he do? You have a mission today. You can accomplish that from the comfort of your home. God has given you a purpose. Maybe you're not in the field. Maybe you're not physically like Abraham. God called you and and go. But we are a part of something so much greater than ourselves. We dare. Jesus said, go tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. Do you have the heart for the mission? At the end, I'll end with this. God's word came to Abraham as a promise. It was carried out by faith through Abraham and left with a blessing. Abraham had a calling Your mission, should you accept it, he accepted his mission. And he he denied himself, he carried the cross. And he went after it because he had a heart for the mission. Lastly, guys, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you 
by telling you, you are a part of this mission. You are a part of something so much greater than we think we are. You might not be in the field, but God is working through you. Your faith doesn't only impact where you live. Your work and your faith goes and multiplies. God multiplies your faith and impacts so many around the world. Their struggles are everyday struggles, just like you. Fighting selfishness, fighting their, their own ambitions. But I want you to pray for, for these churches, connect with them, be a part of them, and God is working. Amen. Love you all. God bless.